0: i yeah.
1: Welcome to another episode of Round 3 Speak, the podcast. That intro music brought to you once again by Solomon Black. Find him at chrisblackohio.com. Alright everybody, thank you for joining us on another special Round 4 Speak episode of the podcast as we welcome back Mrs. Lawson and Mercy Warren. Of course, Mr. Lawson is here too. Wish we could ditch him, but unfortunately, if we did that, Mrs. Lawson wouldn't be here. So, we gotta take him too. The sacrifices we make. But that also means we are without Patrick Henry this episode. Uh, We will miss him. And we will look forward uh, to another episode of hearing his headlines to start off an episode. But with that, we do have another Millennials Bracket uh, episode. And this one is a part... In part one, we will have the top 80 comedy movies square off against each other. We have 22 out of the 32 movies in this episode. And 80s movies in general, you know what, they're fun, they're really overly city, and we get to see the prime of many comedy legends like Eddie Murphy, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, uh, Richard Pryor, and even Rick Moranis uh, in their all-time glory. So in a special part two episode, we will do the final ten episodes before doing something similar to what we did in the last bracket episode, where we brought back four movies in the final four, I think this time we might bring back four movies that weren't on the list that are also really good and give them a chance to see if they can take take down the top four contenders. But having said all that, let's get into this episode and have some fun. All right, everybody. Here we go. Group one, number one movie, going against number two movie, National Lampoon's Vacation versus A Christmas Story. So, National Lampoon's Vacation came out in 1983. It stars Chevy Chase, Beverly, D'Angelo, Randy Quaid, and Anthony Michael Hall. And this movie, of course, everybody can relate to it. It's a great road trip movie. You know, anybody from, I think, our generation can relate. Having said that, I don't really like that. I hate the dog dragging scene when they drag that dog. And, like, you don't see it, but I'm such a dog lover. I hate it. It makes me cringe.
2: That's That's a stupid scene,
1: (sighs) thank you yep but it was also you know what i'll give that movie kind of credit when it came out in 1983 it was shock comedy at a time where there wasn't that much going on you know at that time i think it would have been just out of like it it was very classic national lampoon mad tv that you know i think that generation in the 60s and 70s grew up and they got a great dose of that um the second movie uh christmas story also came out in 1983 and that stars peter billingsley darren mcgavin And it was narrated by the writer, uh, Sean Shepard. Um, You know, I have a kind of fun fact about that movie, too. It's an iconic movie, and I think everybody remembers that classic uh, restaurant scene at the end with the Chinese restaurant. And as part of that, the actress who played the mom, uh, let's see here, Melinda Dillon, she was given a different script from the other actors when they were doing that scene. And in that scene the duck in her script the duck wasn't supposed to get its head cut off so that was a shock to her she wasn't expecting that and the kids knew it was happening so if you watch the kids were kind of giggling in anticipation of that and her reaction was genuine so i thought that was hilarious we kind of judge it a little differently today um and i think that it is hilarious that ralphie's told he's going to shoot his eye out and he almost does at the very end so i have talked a lot on that and i will throw it over to mercy war now
0: Okay, so I have seen both of these movies. Um, as far as National Lampoon vacation movies go, obviously there is more than one of them. It became a little bit of a series, and I know there was a reboot in the late in a couple years back. Um, as far as those goes, this is not my favorite one of those movies, but it is still pretty good. As far as the Christmas story goes, I love anything having to do with Christmas and Christmas Story is just a classic I know on Christmas Day um, certain channels have it playing all day long so I feel like that movie is just more of like a nostalgic thing for me whether as far as Christmas movies goes it's really not my favorite either but that movie just has a very strong nostalgic tie for me
1: alright the Lawsons Yeah, thanks thanks
2: for having us on Uh, this is uh lawson and uh we will have Goody lawson join us um at some point here but just wanted to thank the listeners again for tuning in to another uh movie review of the 1980s uh we initially actually planned on doing like an 80s 60s and 70s uh comedy group but when we looked at it we were like wow there's actually a lot of 80s of good 80s comedies so there's enough to uh you know actually do a a list just of the 80s so i think it was kind of better than than we all thought it was and um you know i mean. We're obviously a little bit younger, so these movies came out. You know, some of us weren't even born during the '80s, and um, others of us were just kind of getting getting our lives going. So, uh, you know, obviously we have a different perspective on these movies, than I think you know older generations, and I think that will come out in some of our reviews. But uh, National Vacation, Vacation, um, great movie. Uh, just kind of a fun fact: um, this actually this movie killed station wagon sales because of the way the station wagon like performed in the movie. They think, like I said, that um, Station Wagon sales really dropped after this movie, so that's kind of funny. And then uh, Chevy Chase needed a box office hit when this movie came out. He only had like two movie hits from uh, 76 to 82 and um, that was foul play, foul play and a movie that will be on this list later, uh, Caddyshack. So, I mean, this was kind of like a pretty important movie for Chevy Chase and um, really kind of build, built up his stardom uh christmas story you know I, I think it's kind of funny that this is the movie that i think is a tbs that chooses to play mm-hmm. every single christmas yep. mean, all day long um you know good christmas movie I, I probably would like pick other ones over it honestly um and i kind of almost wish there was a little bit more variety on christmas like instead of playing one movie all day long i think they kind of mix it up a little bit um i actually have some friends uh way up in cleveland and um, so I've actually visited the house before, and I would say if you're ever in Cleveland, it's it's definitely worth. If you're into the movie at all, it's definitely worth a stop. They got some pretty cool memorabilia. You know, I would add it to one of the, I guess, Clevelandy tour sites with uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I think the Christmas Story House is worth a stop. So, both very good movies p- pitted up against each other. Um, just wanted to give a quick box office numbers. Um, vacation um, earned about sixty one million dollars. So I'm going to give the box office numbers throughout this podcast, just for FYI. Um, you know, they're, they're probably not exact because box office numbers really aren't ever exact. Different lists have different numbers, but this was kind of like the initial numbers I got. So again, vacation movie sixty one million dollars. Um, it was second on the vacation movie list series. It was behind the Christmas vacation, and it was um, pretty. It was almost double the European vacation, and a little bit ahead of the Vegas vacation, which is actually my least favorite of the group um and then christmas story only made about 20 million dollars during its debut which i think is kind of you know interesting that a movie with that low of a box office has become such a holiday classic so uh, there's some interesting facts i also think it's interesting they chose to um they, they had it be set in detroit even though it was almost entirely filmed in cleveland i have no idea why they didn't just say Cleveland maybe that was something that you know they thought would be more marketable or something i don't know
1: i saw that actually when i was reading it they actually wanted it i don't know if it's true or not but they wanted it to be based on like a small indiana town at first too so i don't know i can't remember that change in the movie and i mean because it was clearly cleveland but uh.
2: yeah again i don't know why they did that um but yeah i think I, i agree the chinese restaurant scene is probably the scene that's probably aged the worst just for the pc crowd but uh i think you, you kind of have to go back again there's you know there's a bunch of jokes in these 80s movies that aren't really as pc um you know people call other people retards in some movies and of yeah. course that's something that would be you know just kind of almost shockingly poor taste today yeah uh, just, you kind of have to remember the times when you watch some of these movies
1: that's very true so we get into the voting now and actually just on another small thing about christmas story that I, I thought was pretty interesting as well that the actors from that movie the surviving ones especially peter billingsley when that movie's played every year probably why tbs does it is they they almost get no money at all like the uh, the actors who are in that movie get no um what is that uh um the word i'm thinking for like royalties. Thank, you, you. thank royalties. you, thank you. Royalties. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't think of that word right now. Yeah, they they get pretty much nothing for that movie, so it's probably really cheap. And that's kind of surprising. That movie only made twenty million, and it's become such. I, I can't remember a Christmas where I haven't watched that movie. So, all right, as we get into the voting, this is a tough one. I like both of these movies, obviously, uh, but I'm going to give my vote to Christmas Story.
0: Quick fun fact before I give you my vote. Um, the little boy who plays Ralphie. Peter I, Billingsley. Yeah, actually plays an elf in the movie Elf as well. So he just continued his trend with Christmas movies. Um in between these two movies, I will give my vote to Christmas story as well.
2: Okay, the Lawsons are gonna actually vote for a vacation. So we got our first tiebreaker. I know it's early and
1: uh, oh nope, I actually I already have the IMDB scores. Well, I-
2: Scott. Scott Barnes on the ball already. That's right. I
1: have a IMDb score for every movie, every movie. Okay, so National Lampoon's Vacation has a IMDb score of 7.4 out of 10, very high. And kind of shockingly, Christmas Story has an IMDb score of 7.9 out of 10. So Christmas Story gets the win, unfortunately, cuz the people know what they like so i was pretty close about uh national lampoons vacation it is it it, it's not my favorite out of the four uh you know canon ones but i still think it's pretty funny but christmas story i think it's my vote all right so we get into the next pairing and that is number three 16 candles versus number four look who's talking so 16 candles came out in 1984 starring molly ringwald anthony michael hall uh john and joan cusack and jamie gatz Gartz gertz jamie gertz um so i i won't say much about this movie i don't think it was really meant for me i've seen it it kind of blends in together with all those other ones that molly ringwald molly ringwald's in you know pretty in pink and breakfast maybe breakfast club not so much but you know it's not really my movie too much uh but look who's talking came out in 1989 starring john travolta christy Alley. Olympia Dukakis and Bruce Willis as the voice of uh, the baby. Um, it, it is a really funny movie, and Amy Heckerling uh, was also who was also the the writer was involved in writing for the National Lampoon movie. Um, but besides that, she's also known for Clueless, The Office, and Fast Times at Richmond High. So she has a pretty great resume uh, to her name there. So with that, uh, I've said what I want to say. I will turn it over to Mercy.
0: I So I have actually seen both of these movies as well. Sixteen Candles, iconic. Molly Ringwald was an iconic staple of the 80s. She's done a few things since then, but her heyday really was the 80s. So I will say that this movie has not aged well at all. There are some racist pieces. Um, there is a part where they drug somebody and then say that they can have sex with them. Like, it is, it has not aged well. There's some jokes that just would not be able to do able to happen today so I mean with that being said you kind of have to take that movie it's a, 80s classic but also you have to take it with a grain of salt because it would not be made today you want me to read this sure. um also fun fact they didn't have enough money to air condition the gym for the dance scene so the temperatures were cr- constantly over 100 degrees
1: it was very that? uncomfortable for all the actors and crew
0: And then the next movie, Look Who's Talking, is a very good movie. It kind of re-instituted John Travolta's acting career. Obviously, he was iconic in Greece, but there was like a lull where he wasn't really doing much. John Travolta's first act, this was his first acting role in four years, following a series of critical and commercial failures from 1978 to 1985.
1: Is that all you got to say, Mercy? Yes. Alrighty, over to the Lawsons. Let me
2: just pose this question, too. Percy, uh, you picked Sixteen Candles. Is there a reason why you picked that movie over some of the other, um, you know, that kind of, like, Molly Ringwald set of movies? Is, there, is this your favorite of that grouping, or just the 80s, or...?
0: No, and I honestly probably could have interchanged it with Breakfast Club, which also has potentially problematic moments. They pretty much all do. Um... So I guess, really, it could have been been interchangeable with pretty much any Molly Ringwald movie.
1: Strong endorsement.
2: So I'll just give you some quick facts. Um, so 16 Candles made uh, $24 million at the box office, which, when it go to these movies, I feel like if you're in the 60s or 70s, that's kind of like an average return of this group. So a little bit lower um, than what I guess some people might expect. And then um, Look Who's Talking, which I couldn't believe. Made two hundred and ninety-seven million dollars at the box office.
1: Yeah, that was a huge hit. It, I knew that.
2: Yeah, and like uh, Mercy mentioned earlier, um, big hit for John Travolta, who you're, I think it was his second highest grossing movie um, after *Grease*. So, like I said, he had a bunch of other flop um, hits at the box or flop movies in the A's and nines at the box office. So that was huge for him.
1: Yeah, they were all in preparation for his greatest flop, *Battlefield Earth*. So I think he had a lot of uh, preparation leading up to that movie.
2: I just like watching Greece. I thought he did a good job, but watching this movie, like I watched, it, we watched it kind of recently. He's just not a good actor. I just don't know how he gets so many acting jobs. Honestly, like, and then you know, people say he's like very attractive. You know, not that. I just don't really I don't really see the appeal of John Travolta just compared to everybody else I don't know how he became so famous honestly.
0: when he was younger he was cute now he is kind of weird looking
2: I thought I thought even in the 80s he was kind of like, I thought in the Look Who's Talking movie he was kind of weird looking honestly so um but yeah I we watched Look, Look Who's Talking um, recently and it was kind of better than I remembered um, it was you know they in almost the beginning could be like a could fill in for a health class a little bit so i think they kind of kind of <laughs> yeah. give a parody of the birth and, yeah um, they kind of you know they kind of give some it's kind of like some of the things that are dated like with the baby powder scene like that's something you would never do with babies today and like having bumpers on the crib something again you would never see today and having the baby in the front seat of a cab facing forward when it's like really young <laughs> so, uh, some you know some parenting differences but Actually, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Um, Christy Alley, I feel like, just kind of played her same role from Cheers as like going after the rich guy instead of going with like the guy that actually was nicer and she likes. So I thought that was kind of fun about that movie.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, it, I, I do like the uh, sequels, too, that came out. I know Look Who's Talking 2 and Look Who's Talking Now were actually uh, pretty funny movies as well. But we are judging this one, and we can get into the voting here. So between 16 Candles and Look Who's Talking, I believe Look Who's Talking is the better movie.
0: My vote is also going to go towards Look Who's Talking.
2: We also will vote for Look Who's Talking.
1: All right, so a queen queen sweep. Clean sweep. Oh, everybody out there, hope you're enjoying my antics. All right, so moving on to the next... Pairing, we have number five. Wait, did I skip one? No, I did not. Number five, uh, Spaceballs, versus number six, Back to the Future. Two really funny sci-fi comedies. So Spaceballs came out in 1987, uh, st- written and directed by uh, Mel Brooks. Uh, stars John Canney, Rick Moranis, Bill Pullman, Michael Winslow. Joan Rivers also did a voice. She was the Dot Matrix. And a somewhat funny fact about this movie that I like, is George Lucas was actually a huge fan of it and he wrote a letter afterwards to Mel Brooks uh, saying how much he liked it but before he allowed him to spoof the movie he also made one uh, requirement that Mel Brooks not do any kind of merchandising at all for the movie he didn't want them to profit at all from uh, the from that part of the movie and it was honored so that's why it's really hard to find any kind of uh, Spaceballs merchandise so, also, we have the 1985 Back to the Future, you know, an iconic movie, Michael J. Fox, you know, uh, getting off of uh, Family Ties or Facts of Life. I think it was Family, Family, Ties. Family Ties. Yeah, and he was doing both at the same time. It was really crazy if you see the new uh, Netflix documentary. He would film Family Ties in the morning and Back to the Future at night. Uh, he barely got any sleep. But also in there is Christopher Lloyd and Leah Thompson. So, another... Uh I don't think there's really too many fun facts about Back to the Future. That might be uh Um I would say you have to watch that documentary. It's really good, you know. I think originally they wanted to call it the Man from Pluto, a spaceman from Pluto, mm-hmm. which I think is <laughs> pretty silly. But um I think uh actually that's pretty much all I have to say for that. Um Mercy Warren.
0: Sure. Um so it was Back to the Future and what now?
1: Spaceballs and Back to the Future.
0: Okay. Anyhow, so Spaceballs, um, I have seen it. It's okay. It has funny moments. It is not my favorite. I'm. I tend not to enjoy parody movies, which largely that is. I just the main thing I remember about it is Pizza the Hut. Is basically the main thing I remember regarding that movie. As far as Back to the Future goes. As far as Back to the Future goes, on Netflix, as Scott was saying, there is a documentary called The Movies That Made Us. There's different episodes of it. There is a Back to the Future episode. I do, as well, highly recommend watching it because it does explain a lot of the creation of the movie as well as some hiccups. Originally, Michael J. Fox was not supposed to be Marty McFly. They actually shot a lot of the movie with a different actor, which I thought was interesting. Interesting. And, I mean, that's just an iconic 80s movie. Obviously, there is two um, sequels to it as well. The second one is also very strong. The third one, not so much. But we are basing it on the first one, which is a very strong, iconic 80s movie. Even though if you hear the plot line summed up, it does sound kind of messed up without seeing the movie. <laughs> Off to the lessons.
2: So, yeah, so Spaceballs, obviously, you know, the Star Wars parody... Um, I like John Candy is in it. Um, you know, I like the part where he's like, I'm half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. That's one of my <laughs> funny lines. Um, just again, I think it's one of, I can't remember, the director was uh, Mel Brooks, right? That was yes. one of, so just like Mel Brooks humor, you know, fast witted, um, you know, some puns and just a creative take on star Wars, which I thought was really funny. Um, and it made $38 million. So not a ton of, not a huge box office hit, but not bad. Um, compared to the other movie, Back to the Future, which made three hundred and eighty-nine million dollars, so that was a huge box office hit. Um, I think if you want like a quick summary about like how was this movie created, I would listen to John Mulaney's um, <laughs> quick little sketch on, on Back to the Future because when you think of the plot of the movie and the incest and like the Libyan terrorists and, and a strain like a deranged nuclear scientist. Um, it's kind of amazing how that was like pitched and Hollywood was like, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> just a weird, I think that's, that's one of John Mulaney's uh, funniest uh, sketches. It is. And, um, I'm going to introduce Goody Lawson to the podcast so she can get started. But, um, she told me actually just today that Huey Lewis made a cameo in this movie, which I did not know. And I am a huge Huey Lewis news fan. So, uh, I thought that was a cool fact, but here she is the one and only Goody Lawson.
3: thanks for that intro. Yep, he actually, I think, wrote, like, two songs. I don't know if they were specifically for the movie, but... And then he makes a cameo at the beginning of the movie, of the first movie. Um, just some fun facts about Back to the Future. Apparently, Einstein the dog was supposed to be originally a pet chimpanzee, Mm -hmm. which the, um writers and the producers kind of went another way because they said no good movie has a person with a pet chimpanzee in it so let's make it a dog instead which the dog is really cute um also ronald reagan also really loved back to the future the first one he likes that he was a referenced in it by um christopher lloyd's character <laughs> And then another, my last fun fact, the famous DeLorean time machine was almost going to be a Ford Mustang. So that wouldn't have made that car famous, I feel, because Ford Mustang is already a good car. So I'm on to the voting.
1: (laughs) Well said. I like those facts. So it is kind of a tough vote for me. I like both of these movies. And I just... (laughs) My, one of my more favorite moments from Spaceballs too it may not be everybody else's but when dark helmet says you know that famous like i am your father's brothers nephews cousins former roommate and then he's like what's what's that make us and he's like absolutely nothing <laughs> i just like that makes me laugh every time but having said that i they break the fourth wall a lot in that movie which kind of annoys me and back to the part
2: oh. is also really funny
1: yeah what's that
2: ludicrous speed is also pretty funny yeah yeah <laughs> totally.
1: it is there are some funny i mean it's great writing by mel brooks but i just like every time they break the fourth wall and when they go back and what re their own movie to try to it's, it's kind of funny but then i'm like they just do it a little too much i mean back to the future i mean it's exciting it's you know the whole thing at the end with the lightning and trying to make everything work you know it's just a great action sci-fi comedy movie and my vote goes to back to the future
0: My vote as well goes to Back to the Future.
3: Benny Lawson is voting for Back to the Future.
1: Yeah, and so
2: is Lawson. Uh, Again, Props to Spaceballs, funny take, probably one of the better parodies, um, parody movies, but yeah, not up to Back to the Future.
1: Agreed, and I think we all agree, so that is fun. All right, going on to the next pairing, which will close out Group 1, we have... Beetlejuice which came out in 1988 versus Clue which came out in 1985 and Beetlejuice of course starred uh, Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice Alec Baldwin Gina Davis Catherine O'Hara Jeffrey Jones and Wayana Wy- Wy- Ryder, Ryder blah. and uh Clue the based on the uh, Bradley something game you Milton know the Bradley. Milton Bradley thank you the board game uh, starred Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, and Martin Mall Both two really funny movies. Um, man, that is a tough one to pick between. I mean, very Tim Burton-ish for the first one. I mean, it's, it's almost over-the-top Tim Burton, uh, in my opinion. And Clue, with the multiple endings, really... Uh, I know that wasn't how it was in the theaters, I don't think. I, I think when they had different... Uh, uh, releases there was actually different endings for different movies where it was released so i thought that was pretty cool but i don't let's see here so i guess that's all i have to say about those two movies so i will throw it over to mercy warren
0: okay so for me beetlejuice is one of those movies that i have to watch every halloween it's very it's very tim burtony as um scott barnes had said but it is just still a staple that I do have to watch every year. Even though Michael Keaton is barely in it. Even though the title character is barely in it. Um, he apparently also ad-libbed 90% of his lines. And he is also actually only in 14 minutes and 30 seconds of the film total. So I know.
1: He kind of still stole the movie mm-hmm. even only being in there that little bit of a time.
0: And I know I've heard that, like, Alec Baldwin says, like, that movie is his, like, number one regret of his acting career and being in that movie. So, I mean, I think he's fine in that movie. I like him in that movie, but apparently he doesn't like himself in that movie. Um, and I know they also turned it into a stage show that was popular before COVID hit. Um, as far as Clue goes, I've seen it a long time ago. Um, Tim Curt- Tim Curry just kind of freaks me out. So, that's my thoughts on that. Over to the sense.
2: I'm a Tim Curry fan. He was the uh, pirate in Muppet Treasure Island. So, uh, you know, love that. Love that acting by him. Um, my Lovely wife is a much bigger fan of both these movies than I am. These actually really aren't my favorites. So I just want to say Beetlejuice uh, made $85 million at the box office, which is kind of like the median of our list. And uh, Clue made only $15 million. And I just it, it it costs about fifteen million dollars to make, so I just kind of like saw that it it basically only broke even at least after the initial box office. I'm sure it's made more as time goes by. But again, Goody's a, a way bigger fan of these movies than I am, so I'll turn it over there.
3: Thank you. Why you think This a clue. I just love the board game. I think that's how I got into the movie or found out there even was a movie. Um, But I do have some fun facts about Clue. Uh, Tim Curry was actually the third choice for the role of the butler. Um, I know Rowan Atkinson, who's famously Mr. Bean, was also considered, but then they decided on Tim Curry. Uh, Carrie Fisher, who, um, Princess Leia, was originally supposed to play Miss Scarlet, but she went into rehab when they were in production for the movie. Wow,
2: shots fired at Carrie Fisher. Yeah.
3: For sure. So that probably would have made it an even bigger movie. She was supposed to be the star, supposedly. And um, the role of Mrs. White became bigger in the movie when Madeline Kahn was cast as the role. And she's best known for like Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. So um, there is a really good cast. And there's a lot of big actors. It just didn't make... Like, um, like Scott Barnes said, the alternate endings when you would go into the theater i think that's interesting that was like the first time they'd ever done that but that didn't draw a big crowd to the theater for some reason then beetlejuice i'm also like i will watch that once a year just like um mercy i think it's a it's like a cool different movie it's kind of like cheesy the graphics and everything but um I'm a fan of Tim Burton movies, so I I really like Beetlejuice. This is really tough because I feel like these are both kind of cult classics in their own way. So this is going to be a tough
1: vote. All right, agreed with both of you there. So as we get into the voting, it is a tough choice, but um, I'm probably going to give mine to Clue. That's a movie I can probably watch more often than Beetlejuice. So I'll say Clue.
0: Um, I'm actually going to give my vote to Beetlejuice. I'm going with Scott.
2: I think between the two movies, I think Clue's an easier rewatch and just a more fun rewatch. And uh, he said Mrs. White was played by.
3: Madeline Kahn.
2: Yeah, she's one of them. I mean, she's hilarious and in Blades and Saddles. And so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go with Clue.
1: All right.
3: Oh, good. He will also go with Clue. And another fun fact that I remembered about Clue if we need another one. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> The scene where the singing telegram woman is shot—like she's like starting to sing—and then she's shot by a mystery person—is a member of the Go Go's, which is (laughs) was a a famous '80s women's band. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That is just a funny movie. I like all the hidden gems in there, like that. So, and also. Tim Burton, or not Tim Burton, Tim Curry at the end of that movie when he's running around like trying to reenact all the murders with a knife and everything. One of the more funny scenes, I believe, in the 80s or movies in general. So we do have a winner there with Clue moving on to the next round. And that is it for Group 1. As we get into Group 2 here, we have some other great movies coming up. So the first one is at number 9, is Princess Bride versus Number 10, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So Princess Bride came out in 1987. And it starred Carrie Elwes, Manny Patekin, Robin Wright, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Fred Savage, and Peter Falk. A lot of big names in there. And uh, all of them perfect. Perfect casting for that movie. I have nothing bad to say about this movie at all. It's something that I can watch all the time. I, like, never get tired of it. Uh, So number 10 is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That came out in 1989. And that had Rick Moranis, Amy O'Neill, Thomas Wilson Brown. And so a couple of some of my fun facts I think I have about those movies. Uh, Princess Bride, uh, when that movie premiered, Manny Patakin, who played Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepared to die. Um, He started weeping uncontrollably at the premiere. And his wife turned to him and asked why he was crying so much. And he said, you know, I'm never going to be in anything this good again. And I kind of agree with him. He's been in Homeland, and he think he played Papa Smurf in the Smurf movie. But I don't think uh, Manny really ever came in.
2: He's good in Homeland. I'll see, I'll see the first couple seasons. He's good in Homeland.
1: Okay. Yeah, and, and he, I do like him, and I can watch him. But uh, Princess Bride, is just so great at that movie. And then for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, we found that in an early version of the script, there were originally five kids that were shrunk down instead of four. But they planned to kill off one of the kids during the sprinkler scene, and uh, they changed that. It would have made it a much darker, not very funny movie, I think, if they killed off one of the kids.
2: Oh, that, is my yeah. fun, <laughs> that is my favorite fun fact I think we've done in all the episodes.
1: <laughs> That's pretty dark. That's pretty crazy. So, all right, over to Mercy.
0: So, I actually really do enjoy the movie Princess Bride. I think it has something for everybody. It has comedy elements, it has romance elements, fantasy elements. So I just kind of think that they do a good job kind of balancing that. Also, I like the framing device as it's a story being told by a grandpa to his sick grandkid. And every once in a while it cuts back to them like t- t- um, reading the story and Fred Savage kind of interjecting. So, I mean, I just really enjoy that movie. As far as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids go, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, Rick Moranis I just in my brain he's the same character in every movie he's in as whereas he's just kind of awkward to watch he's kind of like the nerdy character Um, I know in the late 80s early 90s that was he was a big deal just he kind of his characters just felt like they kind of were all the same to me off to the Lawsons
2: so yeah Rick Moranis he was also like the coach in uh, The Little Giants which I think is a fun kids' movie. Um, I actually picked Honey, I Shrunk the Kids just because I remember it being like a fun, kind of like cool movie when I was like a little kid. And I was like, oh, that's that should make the list when I saw it on like the list of the 80s movies. And I was kind of shocked. It made over $223 million. So, I mean, pretty huge box office hit. And even like there's they had like, I think it was two sequels or. Definitely one. The sequel made over $60 million.
1: Yeah, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids was one of them.
2: Yeah, I think that was the second one. Yeah, and that made, like, over $60 million. So pretty successful franchise for what it is. Uh, But I agree with what you guys said. Princess Bride, I think, is almost like, for what it is, it's almost like the perfect movie. Um, The Andre the Giant casting was perfect. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen the 30 for 30 on Andre the Giant, I recommend it because they do show a little bit of the um, Princess Bride they give some sort of background to it in
1: that was movie.
3: Was it a 30 for thirty or was it like an HBO?
2: It was HBO. Special? Yeah. Okay. It was HBO. HBO, H- special. HBO special. Yeah. So watch the HBO special. Yeah. Um, that gives you kind of great perspective. But it would be inconceivable if you guys <laughs> don't vote for Princess Bride. <laughs>
3: that is. The, I feel like that's the best part. And when he's when he has to drink the drinks and. Mm-hmm. They're all poison, basically. And yes. <laughs> I feel like stuff about be- one of the better parts. Um, and it's also been a while since I've seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but I also know it was a successful ride, I believe, a ride at, like, Universal mm-hmm. Studios yeah. as mm-hmm. well, and I remember riding that ride when I was younger, um, visiting Universal Studios, but it just had a lot of success. I it, like I guess it's been a while since I've seen it, but it... It's shocking how well it did and just like how popular it was to me. That's it, just seems a little crazy.
2: I think everyone just like secretly liked that movie and didn't want to admit it. I think that's what was,
3: this was is. Pretty likable in like all mm-hmm. of the movies that he's in, like uh, Mercy said, he displays the nerdy, like wholesome person or dad. <laughs> um, off to voting.
1: Alrighty. well said, everybody. Yeah, and actually, my. Many listeners listening to this may not know that um, I actually had brain surgery, true story, when I was very young. Probably, uh, I think it was er- very early 90s. And one of the things I remember after being in the hospital for so long was they brought in the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I wa- I would watch it um, probably multiple times a day. It was it really got me through, I remember as a kid, a really tough time when I couldn't get out of bed. And um... But having said that, Princess Bride too kind of gets my vote. It was a movie that was never supposed to happen. They never thought that it could get from the book to the movie could never become an adaptation of that but it did and it didn't i don't think it did that well in the box office like you said definitely not compared to honey i shrunk the kids but became such a cult hit afterwards and a huge following to this day still follows around those actors so princess bride in my my opinion
0: i remember riding that ride down in um universal or mgm wherever it was as well it's like a 3d movie ride for a honey i shrunk the kids but my vote also goes to princess bride
2: yeah, Princess Bride easily.
3: Uh, going off what Scott Barnes said, um, I believe Princess Bride just celebrated uh like a big anniversary year, like during COVID, and a lot of celebrities, um, were like acting out scenes and like doing funny acting out of the scenes, um, just to kind of get through covid and give people some like happiness and entertainment so um my vote is also for princess bride
1: i think that's a great movie um but yeah yeah nothing to take away from honey i shrunk the kids but that was a tough one to go against all right as we continue the second group here we have number 11 when harry met sally versus number 12 trading places so when harry met sally came out in 1989 starring of course meg ryan billy crystal carrie fisher was in there and bruno kirby so, let's see, um, what are we to. Okay. So, besides for me, like when Harry Met Sally, it is a great movie. I mean, actually, I'm not gonna say it's a great movie. It they it, it has one great moment in it. And I think everybody knows what we're talking about. The restaurant scene, of course, is movie legend. It's a classic, classic moment, and was there's so many backstories and trivia about that you can get into. But it is one of those iconic. I'll have what she's having. Sorry to be the first person to say it. Billy
2: well, Crystal does a good job in that movie, too. Just because I feel like overall he does a good job.
1: He does. He doesn't do a bad job, really, in anything. I mean, Billy Crystal's solid. I really liked him in uh, City Slickers too. Not too much City Slickers 1, but City Slickers 2. I thought he was really good in that, too. Um, he Comedic legend that I can't believe I didn't mention Billy Crystal in the, the opening thing there. But uh, also, of course, with Rob Reiner in there. Um, a lot of great one-liners, too. Um, something that I thought that... Uh, uh, Meg Ryan actually said uh, actually I'm sorry uh, the big speech at the end I wanted to say in uh, uh, you know the, when Billy Crystal saying everything he loves about Meg Ryan I think it's funnier coming from Turk and uh, Scrubs sorry. than it is in the movie but that's just me so you also have Trading Places which came out in 1983 starring Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd Jimmy Lee Curtis, Ralph Bellamy and Don Amashi so Really funny movie, and again, a lot of those jokes probably, it doesn't age well. You know, I think uh, Dan Aykroyd did blackface. You know, you have white people saying the N-word a lot. You know, a different time. But I thought it was also really good because uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, it was actually supposed to be, it was funny, it was supposed to be another Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movie. Um That's what it was signed up for, but Richard Pryor had to drop out of it, and Eddie Murphy didn't want Gene Wilder in it because he didn't want to be the next Richard Pryor. He wanted to stand out on his own. And it seemed like a good thing that he did that, too, because, you know, I think that was one of the things that helped uh, launch Eddie Murphy's career. You can go into Beverly Hills Cop, which came out a year later. But I think him doing that helped him help separate himself, you know, from Richard Pryor and kind of get his own voice and really started to launch his career. So that's all I have to say about those two movies.
0: Okay, so when Harry met Sally is definitely an iconic romantic comedy movie. It's probably in my top five rom-coms. Um, It basically takes the question, can men and women be friends, and just puts that under the microscope. It kind of follows their friendship from when they took a ride together from, like, college to New York City. And then just kind of follow their lives as they fell in and out of love with other people until, of course, they had to get together at the end. When Meg Ryan was asked if men and women can be friends, apparently she said, yes, they can. I have a lot of platonic male friends and sex doesn't get in the way. (laughs) And then also in comparison to Trading Places, um, Scott Barnes says, I have seen this movie. I don't have any recollection of actually seeing this movie.
1: You've seen this movie. I said it was a Christmas movie. We watched it. I can't believe you don't remember this movie.
0: I do not. And I... One thing, I love Christmas, so if it was a Christmas movie, I'd probably remember it. I'm not doubting it's not a Christmas movie. Well, I just don't it think I've seen it. has Christmas
1: has part of a Christmas in it. I mean, it has a scene from Christmas and New Year's. Oh, you Is frustrate me. Harry
0: Potter? Does that make that a Christmas movie? Like, it,
2: it's as Christmas to Die Hard, I feel
0: like. Okay. So, I will watch this movie again if I actually have seen it, but I don't have any recollection of actually seeing it. It sounds good.
1: Lawson's. <laughs> I can see the frustration on Scott's face. It's it is. We've seen this movie. We I, don't I we've sat down it. and watched this movie. I do not oh. remember
2: that. So, so <laughs> Harry met Sally. I think that I I think that might be one of the movies that Goody has made me watch like, like the most. So many. She's made movie. me watch it so many times. I think I'm actually s- sort of starting to beginning to like it because I just I'm so familiar with it and I've seen it so many times. Yeah, I mean it's a good, it's a good, fun romantic comedy. I think it's pretty well done overall. Um, I thought Scott brought up a good point about training Places. I mean, it's it's being criticized because, of, like you said, some of the things are don't age well. But the comedy is just absolutely fantastic in that movie. Uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd just you know being a rich kid and you know having these two people essentially bet against him and destroy his life, and then they bring up Eddie Murphy to be the rich guy and you know eventually they kind of get back at the old guys um so i just think it's a it's just a really fun movie it's so it's very fast paced um and that's actually it still has some relevance with the uh it was brought up in a congressional meeting not that long ago because it was like talking about the commodities market and someone referenced uh trading places for trading spaces (laughs) so very funny movie
3: It's been a while since I've seen Trading Places. I remember liking it. I, I think um, Mr. Lawson made me watch it. And again, it was a while ago, but I do enjoy it. Deanna and Eddie Murphy, quite a bit. Um, but also, When Harry Met Sally is also one of my, uh, maybe one of my favorite romantic comedies. Definitely in my top five as well. Um, I enjoy Rob Reiner, and I believe Nora Ephron was a part of that movie as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But my favorite quote is at the end when Billy Crystal says, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Because they've just been in friends and like in a relationship and friendship for so long, and it's just, they want to just get started with their life already so I do like the relationships and the friendships i think it's very like quirky and funny the humor in that movie so i think they do a good job with
1: that <laughs> thank you well said all right so between these two uh the overall funnier movie in my opinion is trading places
0: i can't accurately critique a movie i've never actually seen <laughs> so um harry met sally is my vote
2: just wanted to mention um i like the line you know the line of famous from movies looking good billy ray feeling good Lewis. That's yep. the that's oh, the probably the train places or train places classic yep and uh, i think it's funny how in coming to america they because oh, yeah. in, in movie train places they like i spoil work from 1980s then Ackroyd and Eddie Murphy get back at the old people for placing a one dollar bet, basically on both of their lives, and they destroy the old the old guys based on like commodity training. And then in Coming to America too, or Coming to America, Eddie Murphy kind of like they throw like some money in the dumpster They're or something both, like that. They're both
3: like home. They're both old men are like homeless on the street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Eddie
2: Murphy just like throws cash and they like. He gets it to him, and yeah. like, oh, Mac So I think that's a, yeah. funny, I think it's a funny connection between those two movies, which yeah. are both hilarious.
1: I think it's uh, the funniest part of coming to America, and you wouldn't know that joke unless you saw Trading Places.
2: Yeah, right. yeah. That's, like the, I think, the importance of that movie. Um, I forgot to get the stats. Both movies earned about $90 million, so both pretty even as far as box office. Uh, so I would go with Trading Places over Harry Met Sally, although I think, it's again, it's, it's gaining on me because I've watched yeah. so much.
3: I'm going to force the tiebreaker and vote
1: for When Harry Met Sally. All righty. So with the results here, Trading Places, this is funny. They scored almost identical in the box office, and they scored almost identical in IMDb scores as well. With 7.5 out of 10, that being Trading Places, it loses to When Harry Met Sally, which got a 7.6 out of 10. Oh,
2: that's a tough loss.
1: That is, uh, so when Harry Met Sally is moving on, a tough defeat going forward, but that is what we do here. We make the hard choices, people. All right, so group, in group two still, we have number 13, Blues Brothers, versus number 14, The Goonies. Um, my gosh, ugh. Blues Brothers came out in 1980, uh, of course, starring Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, John Landis. John Candy was in there. And then we also have uh, you know cameos by Carrie Fisher, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, and James Brown. Hilarious, hilarious movie. And then number 14, The Goonies, which came out in 1985, starring Josh Brolin, Sean Astin, Corey Feldman, and Carrie Green. Um, both of these really funny movies... And I love Goonies as a kid. I watched that movie multiple times when I was in first grade, I remember. Um, A kind of fun fact about Goonies is that Pirate Ship at the end of it was real. They built the entire ship inside and out. And after filming, it was offered for free to anybody who wanted it. But obviously, it was a logistical nightmare to get it. So they destroyed the whole thing. Uh, Blues Brothers, um, it Another amazing movie, and that summer like of 1980 when Blues Brothers Airplane and Caddyshack all came out, what a time to be alive there, very jealous of people older than I who were there. But it competed with Caddyshack to be the hit movie of the summer, as they were both blown away later by Airplane. And during the opening scene with the helicopter filming over the prison, the guards didn't know what that was. They weren't prepared for the helicopter. They actually thought it was spying or trying to plan some kind of escape, so they started shooting at it for real. Um, so that's pretty two interesting facts about those movies. All I have to say, Mercy Warren.
0: Okay, so Bleach Brothers is a very good movie. It is iconic with their suits and their hats. Glasses. Glasses. I believe it started as a Saturday Night Live sketch, correct?
1: Yeah, the characters were created on SNL.
0: Um, my favorite part of that movie, I'm not going to lie, is the soundtrack. I really like um, Shake a Tail Feather that Ray Charles sings, as well as Think that Aretha Franklin does. I mean, there's also really funny moments when they go visit the nun and stuff. And at that car with the giant thing on the top, like the megaphone on top, is just hilarious to me in general.
1: The iconic Blues Brothers car, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I actually saw that car at Universal Studios. It, like, drove around. Um, the Goonies, I saw for the first time yesterday. So it is very fresh in my brain. I, as far as kid movies go, it was kind of like creepy and scary. I screamed a few times, so I don't know how a first grader could watch that movie and not have nightmares. But um, I do have to say the production value and design, especially like when they're down underneath the restaurant, like in that cave, that was done very well. I feel like that production value. Some of those characters were very, very annoying. The one, like... Um, Lawrence I think they called him chunks at the end when he asked that the other brother to live with him he kind of redeemed himself in my mind Slodge.
1: sloth he Sl- wasn't his brother a sloth oh yeah I get what yeah. you're saying though yeah
0: well he like the other like Fratelli brother or whatever yeah, yeah he that he kind of redeemed himself in my eyes because I spent the whole movie thinking he was really annoying so I mean it was it was a good movie it was a good ride I enjoyed it but um it like wasn't my favorite
1: <laughs> Lawson's
2: so it's funny, these aren't my favorite movies, like on the list, honestly. Um, Booth Brothers, I just, I didn't think it was that funny. I love, I love John Belushi. You know, I love Dan Aykroyd. Uh, you know, I think I agree. I think the music is one of the is very good in the movie. I just didn't think it was super funny. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just I just don't love it compared to other movies. And then The Goonies. I just have to tell a quick story. So in seventh grade, we watched this movie, and. It was an English teacher, and she was kind of miserable, just in, in general. And we watched, like, half the movie, but then she cut it off, and she's like, oh, we'll watch the rest, like, the next day. But then she didn't never did that. She would just, like, have us watch, like, the, like in, like, five-minute increments at the end of class, and we, would spend, and we would spend half the time rewinding the movie because it was back in the day when you couldn't, especially the school system.
1: Yeah.
2: Jeez. So, I mean... We spent like a month probably. Wa- I'm, I'm not kidding. We spent like almost a month probably watching The Goonies because that's wow. the way it was so stupidly done. So I don't think I've ever watched it since then. So I really don't have a good <laughs> uh, image of that movie. So I'll try- That's yeah. funny. Let's just my Eng- seventh grade English class, terrible movie memory. So I- I'll turn uh, over to... Oh, wait. What the... <laughs> that
3: was really Um... So like Mr. Ross and I also both I don't enjoy really both these movies, i not gonna lie, to be honest. Um it's been a while since I've seen both. I just I I try to watch Blues Brothers. I found it long and boring. Um I have the same things to say as um, my husband. But Goonies, uh also been a while since I've seen it. We we rewatched one of the movies recently. We've watched rewatched Look Who's Talking, so we didn't um, get to rewatch a lot of them recently. But I think it has a good cast and a lot of them like show up to be serious actors that you'd see other movies
1: All well, I... <laughs> Alrighty guys. Uh, I agree. Disagree with both of you. I think both of these... I think the uh, the humor in Blues Brothers is actually really funny, especially with the nun. Whenever they're swearing, she starts hitting them with the ruler. And uh, the way that Carrie Fisher keeps trying to kill uh, John Belushi's character, I think it's hilarious and just out of left field. The Nazis, you know, how they torment the Nazis the whole movie. And... The goonies is a great movie too but for me it gets frustrating to watch that movie i have to watch it with subtitles because i can't understand what the kids are saying they're all talking at once all those actors it really does feel like they're just kids in a situation which is great for the movie but as the watcher you can't understand what the hell they're saying but for me the comedy and the music of blues brothers trumps out the goonies
0: i completely agree sean astin kind of annoys me in the goonies like, this is character's optimism. I know that's a horrible thing to say, but um, Blues Brothers is my vote as well.
2: Yeah, I'll vote for Blues Brothers as well, just because I, I like the music a little better. Um, it made $115 million in the office, the box office, and the Goonies made 125
1: So, it's pretty I close.
3: I'll also put my vote to Blues Brothers.
1: A good sweep for the Blues. Alright, this actually coming up here might be the hardest decision we have on this bracket. This is a tough one. To continue out, actually to close out group two, we have National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation at 15 going against Airplane at 16. Uh, Christmas Vacation came out in 1989. Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Johnny Galecki in this one, Randy Quaid again, uh, Gilletta Lewis, Brian Doyle-Murray, I think uh, who's that lady from Seinfeld makes a cameo in there? Uh, Julie Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Thank you. I can never say her name. Um, and then also we have uh, Airplane, which came out in 1980, uh, starring Leslie Nielsen, Julie Haggerty, Robert Hayes, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar makes that hilarious cameo mm-hmm. in there. Um, both of these, I mean, just, uh, it's almost impossible to pick. Christmas Vacation, I, I, again, another movie I can't imagine watching, um, not watching at Christmas, you know, just from the opening thing, anybody who's been in a road rage battle understands go with that. So, um, an interesting fact, though, is during the infamous... Oh, I'm sorry, that's a Christmas story again. Uh, not Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. Right there. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, so, Chevy Chase, when he does his famous rant at the end of the movie about his boss, was mostly ad-libbed, but off-screen, each family member held a sign... ...that Chase could read that had an adjective that he was supposed to uh, include in his rant. And then we have uh, Airplane also... Where was Airplane on this thing? Or is that... That's not my movie.
0: That was my movie, but I don't have a fact for it, so...
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I do have one for Airplane here. So, the actors and actresses who had previously never done comedy in that movie... ...were specifically chosen for Airplane. They wanted them to play their serious roles to make the film more funny... And I think that, uh, um, paid off really well, you know, really good casting choices. Uh, Leslie Nielsen nailed all of his points. And, uh, then he got, also this was Ethel Merman's final film before she died. So those are, those two movies, Miss Mercy Warren, Mrs. Mercy Warren.
0: So Christmas Vacation is one of my absolute favorite Christmas movies. I watch it multiple times every year. It doesn't even have to be Christmas. And I will say it is my favorite movie of the vacation saga, if that's the right word. It is my favorite one. I just think it's just fun, solid from beginning to end. It has so many iconic scenes from the sledding scene, the driving when they're going to get the tree, all those iconic little moose mugs that they're drinking eggnog out of, the squirrel. Um, Scott Barnes and I actually have... Um, couple's ugly Christmas sweaters that say why is the carpet all wet Todd I don't don't know Margo Margo. (laughs) and I force them to wear it on Christmas and some other events too Um, as far as Airplane is concerned that is also a very strong funny 80's comedy it feels just very random in places which I kind of actually like that and the jokes are just kind of I just kind of like the randomness of it as well you ever oh. seen
1: a grown man naked to me? <laughs> 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 ever been to a Turkish bathhouse? That's <laughs> just like out of left field. So funny.
0: Okay, Lawson's.
2: So this could have been honestly, like the finale of our movie picks. I think they're both that good. Um,
0: Christmas Vacation. I just think
2: it's. oh wait, it was Christmas Vacation grossed uh, seventy-four million dollars at the box office. I'm sure it's gone up since then because it's played. Like they said so often and I also watch it every Christmas I'm sure we both do and then airplane made 171 million dollars so really strong showing for airplane at the box Mm -hmm. office uh so yeah Christmas vacation I just think it's funny that the family stayed for like what like five days yeah like it's not just like a one or two day thing it's like it's like almost like a week so I can kind of I kind of give Chevy Chase a little bit of like I kind of give him some slack like I would probably be going crazy too if all my relatives are over for like five days at my house and you know it's, it also seemed like it was very cramped quarters the whole time. So, uh, but I love the brother in that movie and just like the way he gets on Clark's nerves the whole time is just, just hilarious. And the Chris, obviously the, the most famous part is probably the Christmas lights on the house. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, cutting off the power to the rest of the city. And, uh, I love the grandma saying like the pledge of allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, if you haven't seen these movies, just go go, go see that one. Uh, <laughs> Who hasn't
1: seen that movie? Seriously, yeah.
2: Yeah, and then Airplane is, like I said, it's almost, it's kind of similar to Naked Gun, say, if you've seen that movie. Same kind of humor. Uh, I agree, it is a little bit more disjointed, but, I mean, it's just, just like Naked Gun. It's just kind of like just quick jokes over and over and over again, and just little, little things that, honestly, you almost have to watch the movie like maybe twice to yeah. even catch all the little jokes and nuances of the movie uh the cream at Jabbar scene is really hilarious <laughs> I, I like the parts where the guy goes like i picked the wrong week to quit smoking or i picked the wrong week to quit, quit
1: drinking." yeah
2: kind of. um just like the, the scene where the girl's singing with the or the scene with the girl and the, the guitar and she knocks off the iv to the person and the, the autopilot scenes uh just the the flashbacks that he has just great movies overall so watch them both
3: Christmas Vacation, it's very nostalgic to me. We would, when I was younger, watch it with family. I think um, Mr. Les and I watch that every year. It's just a great, not just a Christmas movie, it's just like a great movie in general. And um, one of my other favorite parts that wasn't mentioned is when Clark wants to put in a pool, but he gets the letter <laughs> And it's a subscription to the jelly of the month club. (laughs) He goes haywire and crazy. That just, like, tips them off. So that's one of my favorite parts. Um, Airplane, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I really enjoyed it. Like we said, it's that quick-witted humor. Um, Two of my favorite parts is when the stewardess offers this guy a cup of coffee and the wife is, like, Jim never has a second
1: cup of coffee. <laughs> yep.
3: that, that's kind of one that I will quote a lot with, like, family members. And then also the fact that the grandma is, like, the only one that can speak jive on the plane. Yeah, Not, like, a politically correct humor for these days, but still pretty funny. Um, off to voting.
1: All righty. I mean... Something that I was, it was funny too about Airplane was Airplane was so good beating out the other two movies, uh, Blues Brothers and Caddyshack, that it actually killed Doug Keeney, who was the writer of Caddyshack and uh, Animal House and you know, one of the founding people of Mad Magazine. It was so good it actually made him commit suicide. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. There's a also great kind of mockumentary starring Will Forte about that.
2: He was upset that his movies lost to Airplane. Is that why he committed suicide?
1: Well, because he Airplane was everything that he wanted it to be, and he got so depressed over it that his movie bombed so badly compared to it that, yeah, it, sp- it spun him into a pit of depression. And the person that like his friends and family tried to get him to get out of that with was Chevy Chase who (laughs) probably not your best person you want not to get you to drink. And, yeah, he uh, famously went to Hawaii to try to get better. And then uh, he jumped off one of the cliffs over there. And as one of the people said at his funeral, um, knowing Doug Kinney, he probably slipped finding a place to jump to kill himself. So (laughs) he uh, he died pretty horribly. (laughs) So, but having said that, uh, I love Airplane, but Christmas Vacation just gets the vote, in my opinion.
0: Both are very good movies, but Christmas Vacation gets the vote, in my opinion, as well.
2: Yeah, I'll vote for Christmas Vacation, just because it's something I probably watch more often. But, again, no slight to Airplane. Airplane, I think, could have been a finalist. It's that, it's that funny of a movie. And like I said, if you like Nika Gunn, I think Airplane might be a little bit better, honestly. So, go watch it.
3: Agreed. Yeah, my vote's also for Christmas Vacation. Tough pairing, both great movies, but that one just has seen a little bit more.
1: Yeah, maybe if we uh, can't all agree on four movies to add in from the outside, like I said, maybe Airplane's one we can probably bring back because I agree with you. That should probably make it into the uh, next round. So, but to continue into group three now, after we finish off group two there, we won't do all of group three uh, to save some time. So, we'll only do a few of these. Um, but again, another kind of tough choice right off the bat here. First time I said right off the bat, they're out there trying to make, uh, make that into a drinking can, people. But we got. Uh, number 17, Uncle Buck versus number 18, Beverly Hills Cop. So, Uncle Buck came out in 1989, starring John Candy. We've said his name a lot. Macaulay Culkin and Amy Madison. Not a lot of huge names at the time, but John Candy kind of really uh, could carry that movie. Um, let's see who we got. For Uncle Buck, this is kind of interesting, even though like John Candy makes that movie. But Danny DeVito, Tom Cruise, Dan Aykroyd, George Wendt, Michael Keaton, and Ed O'Neill were all considered to play his part at some point, which I think is insane. I mean, especially Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise.
2: Those would have been terrible choices.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, You can't do that movie without John Candy. Um, So, besides that, uh, let's see. Beverly Hills Cop. So, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop was... um, again, like the movie that kind of launched Eddie Murphy's career. I mean, you, you just came out with Trading Places the year before, and he was able to steal the uh, scene with this one. Uh, it was the first of seven Eddie Murphy movies uh, to open at number one in the box office. It was the highest grossing R-rated film in the U.S. for 19 years until, shockingly, Matrix Reloaded came out and beat it. And another thing with uh, Beverly Hills Cop too, it's, it's kind of unbelievable for a lot of it. You have to kind of... Uh, de- to uh, you know, uh, uh, get rid of your sense of uh, disbelief. Disbelief. Thank you. Suspend your disbelief because a lot of it doesn't really make sense. But it was it was improvised so much by Eddie Murphy and so funny that many of the cast members had to pinch themselves. If you see a lot of the cast members, uh, uh, like uh, John Ashton or Judge Reinhold, they when their hands are in their pocket, they're literally pinching themselves so they don't laugh because the cast and crew would ruin so many takes trying to film that movie, and Eddie Murphy was so funny. That they couldn't—they wasted so many hours of film they couldn't get through it. So they literally had to start hurting themselves to keep from laughing. Uh, Mercy Warren.
0: So in true Mercy Warren fashion, we had to get to a set of pairings where I've never seen either of them. So you had
1: a chance to see Uncle Buck. Oh,
0: I, gotcha. I did. I was being annoying last night and didn't want to watch it. But um, I know that Macaulay Calkins in that one, and I think it like launched his career with Getting Home Alone and stuff. Because I know John Hughes. Was the director for both of those. So, I, I will definitely for sure watch that. I do I do like watching Macaulay Culkin as a child. Creep. It, <laughs> like in his movies in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Um, as far, as far as Beverly Hills Cop goes, um, I do enjoy some vintage Eddie Murphy as well. So, I'll definitely put that on the to-do list. Lawson's. Oh.
2: Mercy, you should definitely watch Uncle Buck. I feel like people who are like fans of all these Mercy movie picks that she makes in all these different brackets, um, it just kind of like fits. Uncle Buck has a lot of heart to it. I mean, it's just it's just like a feel good comedy, and I think as Scott Barnes mentioned, the other people that would have been casted as the lead would have been horrible because John, You just kind of like you end up just loving John Candy in the end. Um, so like just a quick synopsis, like basically the it's like middle class parents. Uh, like i think somebody's in the family dies and they can't find another babysitter they tried everywhere and so they have to ask like the i think it's the father's brother yeah uh,
3: yeah and they're not very close to him like they haven't talked to him yeah.
2: yeah i mean they're kind of like an upper middle class family and he is just barely scraping by and he likes uh, to
3: go to the race track
2: yeah one of those yeah one of those people um and just uh does he takes over he like really takes over the babysitting duties and he has to make breakfast and it's pretty hilarious and he um he takes them to like a bowling alley and the kids are just like mm-hmm. appalled by his friends and uh one of the funniest parts is when uh kids he keep actually be it's kind of nice. the heartwarming part is he really establishes a relationship with like both the kids that yeah. he's watching oh,
3: the, oh, there's three of them the eldest daughter and then there's the two young
2: kids okay i forgot about the, i forgot about one of the kids yeah. yeah, I know the the one daughter. She has this boyfriend whose name is Bug. Yeah, Bug. <laughs> and Bug, he keeps messing with him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a just kind of like a creepy guy a little bit. And yeah, he's a jerk. And, yeah, a jerk. Mm-hmm. and uh, he threatens like the guy with a hatchet. And he has like a, I think a scene with like a a, a screwdriver or something power, like that. I mean, power just,
1: drill at the very end. Power right dr- <laughs>
2: like a yeah. power drill. Yeah. So I mean, it just. But like he does all those things, but he does it in such a heartwarming, like protective way. And I said by the end, um, it's just you just end up loving him in that movie. So one of my favorites. And then Beverly Hills Cop. I talked about the box so quickly. Um, Beverly Hills Cop made over three hundred and seventeen million dollars at the box office. So huge success. Uh, like like you said earlier, Scott Eddie Murphy just carries this movie. Does such a great job. Uh, the banana in my tailpipe is. <laughs> That's probably one of the classic jokes from yeah. the movie, um, and it has like that iconic soundtrack. And I think it actually won, uh, it won a Grammy for a little bit of the. I think it wasn't in the. I don't know it was in the soundtrack, but some of the music in it, was just mm-hmm. it was. There's that kind of a. Like...
1: Alrighty, thank you guys. Sorry about the slight hiccup there. Um, we thank uh, Mr. Patrick Henry for fixing that for us, if there was one at all. So. <laughs> So we have, um, even though uh, Beverly Hills Cop was my pick, I have to go with Uncle Buck here. Uh, It's just the better of the two movies, I think, in my opinion. And Beverly Hills Cop was a great movie. But Uncle Buck, uh, we chose these randomly too, you know, so uh, end of the bracket. And Uncle Buck's just stronger, in my opinion.
0: My gut is telling me to vote for Uncle Buck, so Uncle Buck.
2: (laughs) We are both voting for Uncle Buck because we just love that movie so much.
1: All right, fantastic job there, everybody. So, let's see here. As we get into group three further, number 19, we have Night Shift versus number 20, Ghostbusters. So, Night Shift came out in 1982, uh, starring Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton, and Shelley Long, and... Um, I mean, it's a movie that I've only seen this movie once, and I saw it when I was younger. So a lot of the jokes didn't really land on me at the time. And what's really funny is that I saw this movie before I mostly saw Happy Days. And I couldn't believe that Henry Winkler was the same guy who played both of those characters. Um, just absolutely crazy, in my opinion, that he was so different from the Fonz in that movie. Um, I think I'd probably I'd like to watch it again now, probably to get a better perspective of it. Um, but a fun fact about Night Shift is that it had a lot of firsts for the actors in that film. It was the first time Ron Howard directed a movie. It was a first big movie for Kevin Costner and uh, Shannon Doughtery. It was also a breakout role for Michael Keaton. He was so perfect, if I remember correctly, next to Henry Winkler. Um, I really I remember that stood out to me too is him playing that character uh, Chuck, I believe. Um, so also it was kind of interesting is John Belusi was offered the role of Bill. But he turned it down, and later died while that movie was being produced. So he—I mean—that would have been it, that movie might not have happened because if John Belushi was in there and he died before it was made, uh, they probably would have shut down production. Or I, I don't know if they would have time to uh, bring in Henry Henry Winkler. But then Ghostbusters, of course, 1984, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Sigourney Reaver, Ernie Hudson, Rick Moranis, and Any Annie, Annie Potts. Um. So I like the second one better, I think. Uh, especially as a kid, I like the second one better. It just seemed more kid-friendly, the second one. But the first one had a lot more adult. Not weird, like, you know, they are smoking a lot, and they cut down on the smoking in the second one. And um, But it was really fun. Uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd played their parts so perfectly. Harold Ramis never smiled one time in the entire movie. If you go back and watch that, that's actually something he made his character not do. So that is my point. Mercy.
0: Okay, so I have not seen Night Shift, but I, of course, have seen Ghostbusters. Um, I watched it, actually, for the first time a couple months biack. Um, There's also, we were talking about on Netflix, that movies that made us show. With Back to the Future, there is also an episode that talks about Ghostbusters. So anytime we have that, it's just important that if you're interested in movies and that kind of documentary side of it, I would recommend watching that. Ghostbusters... It's just a fun, feel-good movie. Um, Bill Murray's character is a little much for me, I feel like, in that movie, cause in, especially in the second movie. It feels like he hasn't learned or grown at all. So, I mean, the character character growth is a little stunted for me, but as far as just being a fun, feel-good movie, I, I do would recommend watching it. I know that they're making a fourth one, actually, or... Is, or a third one. There's actually one coming out in September, I believe. It's called, like, Resurgence or Rebirth or something like that. That'll be coming out in September, I believe, I saw. So, um, yeah, reboot. losses. It's
2: not necessary if you only reboots. So, and we picked two movies in this segment. I mean, Ghostbusters earned over $295 million, and that might actually be a low estimate. I think I think it did even better um, as time went on. And then Night Shift only earned 22, so one of the lower box office hits. Um, I picked this one, you know, I actually had um, Mono in high school, and I was out of school for about two months in it during that time because I didn't really react well to it. And my parents picked out a bunch of movies for me to watch. A bunch of these are actually on this, on this list. But one of them that they picked out was Night Shift, and which is a very <laughs> weird movie for like, I'm pretty sure my mom picked this movie out. <laughs> And I went back to like look about this movie and it's like, it's classified as like a sex comedy. So I think that's just kind of a funny point from my mom to, yeah, it's like, Oh, here, watch this in high school. But like you said, it's just kind of like a, it's all, it should be more of a cult classic than it is in a way, because like you said, uh, Michael Keaton, I thought did a a fantastic job in this movie. And it was like, it kind of helped make him a star. I think, I think other directors saw his performance, like, wow, this guy can actually carry a movie by himself. Uh, the movie is about two people that work in a morgue and it basically, they turn into a brothel and they try and <laughs> hide that fact from, you know, the authorities and there's just a bunch of, you know, comedy that ensues with that. So it's funny. Uh, Ghostbusters, I think it's one of probably the coolest movies of the 80s. Obviously the iconic sa- you know, song with the opening and, uh, you know, I won't go into that because it's such a famous movie. So I'll pass it over to Lady Blossom.
3: Thank you. Um, I have to put Night Shift on my, um, watch list as well. That's one that actually I, I never even heard of until Mr. Lawson said it was one of his movies that he picked. Like, okay, how, it sounds like it was a good cast. Um, Ghostbusters, again, like Mr. Lawson said, it's one of those cool new movies, uh, well, newer movies of that time. um, just a couple of fun facts: Chevy Chase and Michael Keaton were both uh, considered for the uh, Bill Murray role, and um, Eddie Murphy and John Candy also turned down roles for the movie as well as um, a couple of the main characters. So, uh, just a couple of fun facts. So, over to the voting.
1: All right. Well said, guys, and. I'm actually going to throw a monkey wrench into this whole thing and the more I look back on it um I actually think that Night Shift is better than Ghostbusters. I'm I'm actually I need to rewatch it again, but from what I remember from the two um, I'm actually going to go with uh, Night Shift.
0: Just to fact check what I just said, get Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out on November 11th, 2021 and Um, Courtney Weaver, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson will all be reprising their roles, as well as some new other people. Um, Annie Potts will be as well. And my vote is for Ghostbusters.
2: Even though I picked Night Shift as one of my movies, uh, and I think it's underrated, we are both voting for Ghostbusters to advance.
1: Wow. I was a little surprised by that, actually, because, uh, I had a tiebreaker ready here, because I thought we might vote for, uh, night shift but night shift would have actually been crushed by ghostbusters on imdb it only got a 6.6 out of 10 compared to ghostbusters 7.8 so everybody with that one i think just for time restrictions we'll probably end the episode now um we were gonna do another one on this bracket but i think this is a good place to end it so we don't wear everybody out Uh, especially you the listeners we want you to come back looking forward to the next episode it's going to be big versus this is spinal tap so everybody has to sit on that one for a little while but again thank you all out there for listening um with that do we have a lost in the scoop of the week
2: well i had a bunch of sports takes but i feel like i'll save that for another podcast um but i just wanted to get your thoughts on space jam 2 real quick uh not the most successful movie that's ever come out. So I just want to get a quick take on that.
1: Well, no, it did uh, beat Black Widow um, the weekend it came out, and honestly, Scott Barnes uh, thought this was a pretty good movie. He actually liked it. Uh, I thought it was a, a good family film. Uh, there's many, maybe others out there who uh, you know don't have the name Scott Barnes who wouldn't like this movie as much. But I think that Scott Barnes actually enjoyed it. LeBron James, you know, he's not an actor, but he did what he could and uh, it was nice to see how he encouraged his kids in the end of that to kind of pursue their dreams the right way. Don Cheadle, too. I don't care what people said. Don Cheadle can do no wrong. He nailed it.
0: Okay, so um, I'm going to weigh in here. Um, I watched this movie with Scott Barnes, and those weren't exactly the sentiments that were echoed. I just feel like this movie was not. Um, it was not made for a bunch of 30-year-olds. It was made towards recapturing kids. And just like the original Space Jam was for us.
1: It captured the inner kid in me.
0: Yeah, I, I
2: know for a fact that Scott Barnes, basically it's almost the exact opposite of how he feels about this movie.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he said that he did not want LeBron James to play for his basketball team uh, after this movie.
1: He uh, better he better never come to Phoenix, I'll say that.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, I, I just think that... I, my my quick take is that it's not as bad as people are making it out just because... I think, like you, like I think um, Mercy mentions, the original Space Jam is not as good as our generation really thinks it is. It's just, it's just kind of an average movie. Uh, Don Cheadle's performance in this movie was absolutely horrible.
0: Agreed, agreed.
2: <laughs> the way that it took, it took like way too long to get to the Looney Tunes characters, and I really think it was kind of a bad year for LeBron to release this movie. I think if he releases this after like maybe like 2016, 2017... Um, even like his, maybe right after when he like signed with the Lakers, maybe, I think it would have been much more popular, but after his recent like political comments and like, you know, the Lakers didn't really do that well this year, I just think it was kind of a poor year for him to pick or for them to pick to release this movie. So I don't, I think it's like, if like Seth Curry was like the head of this movie or was a star in this movie, I don't think people would be as harsh about it. I think people, a lot of people just are anti-LeBron after a lot of his again political political comments and i think people are just kind of i think people were just kind of more tired of LeBron when
1: mm-hmm.
2: compared to when the original space jam was was you know opened michael jordan was like in his prime and a superstar and i think was like way more popular among the general public so i guess that's like our quick take on the movie
1: <laughs> yeah i agreed i think probably uh, the, one of the biggest criti- criticisms of the first space jam was uh thinking that michael jordan lived in that small suburban home and, you know, but then LeBron, right off the bat, they show him in that gigantic mansion that he has, <laughs> which he's like, nope, I'm not going to fib on that one. So, and yeah, actually, uh, these people know me well. I thought that was an atrociously horrible movie, mm-hmm. one of the worst ever created, and LeBron James should spend at least three hours in hell for agreeing to do that. So
0: You should also and, mention the amount of most, Warner feel- Brothers marketing that was thrown into that movie.
2: Yeah, way too much marketing, and I just think the HBO, the movies that have come out on HBO Max have not been very successful um, overall
1: agreed yeah
2: so i'll end it with that all
1: right well thank you guys thank you mr lawson mercy lawson um i'm sorry oh my gosh did i mix up all the names here mr lawson (laughs) mrs lawson it has been a long week people mercy warren i don't even know what i'm saying anymore um but thank you all out there we had a fantastic fun time here and we look forward to hearing. And uh, having you all with us for part two when we continue the bracket and pick a ultimate 80s comedy movie winner. So, with that, thank you. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, RG3, I mean, RD3 Productions at yahoo.com, and listen to us on uh, Spotify and all the other stations we're out there. Thank you all again. Play us out, Mr. Solomon Black. I ain't a thirst trying to find an oasis Finally paying for all the
3: time that I've wasted I said life was a race but I was driving mistakes See the truth will shine a light on all your lies if you're facing And so that's why you might hate me At a party won't play this If I tried to be basic I would finally be famous I could be crowned for a favor I could be drowning in paper I could have all the kingdoms of the world I'm about under saying. Matthew 4-9 if you doubt what I'm saying Matthew 6-6 keep it down while I'm praying Revelation 1-9 I'm on an island take it.